Section forty seven, volume three, chapter thirteen of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter thirteen. Of all men else, I have avoided thee. Shakespeare. The second parliamentary sojourn of Arthur Armitage in London was not calculated to exercise a favourable influence upon his spirits. November, with its leaden fogs, its five hours a day of daylight, its twinkling lamps, its tinkling muffin bells, is at all times dull enough in the great Babylon, and more than enough disagreeable. But now, affording so melancholy a contrast to his recent happy spring he found the days short as they were too long by half for his patience the business immediately before parliament happened to regard the interests of a portion of the empire with the affairs of which the honourable member for thoroton was at present wholly unconcerned nor was the mode in which he heard them discussed at the sugar-canery in portland place calculated either to amend his ignorance or interest his indifference the business before the other house the house in baker street regarded only the winter campaign of the corn the pytchley the barclay hunt the shrewsbury mainels jolliffs the runs of the harriers and all other hounds st james's place with its cordial hospitalities its simple good breeding its happy homishness was closed and deserted while poor lord greta in his albany chambers plodded through his public business and private occupations as if life had become a burthen too heavy to be borne there was not a single hearth a single heart a single house to which arthur could turn for companionship and comfort the very clubs seemed deserted the theatres empty and uninviting all dreary and desolate as the state of his own feelings he felt himself alone in the metropolis one evening however about a week after his arrival as he was quitting the house of commons for the relief of an hour's exercise and fresh air during one of the millstone orations of the honourable member for drawlingham arthur fancied that in a cabriolet which drove rapidly past at the moment he was issuing from the doors he descried the countenance of edgar rainsford the momentary flash of a gas-lamp afforded him however only uncertain suppositions on the subject and the result was a half-uttered curse on the offender as he took his solitary way along parliament street towards his club in pall mall but the same instantaneous glimpse by which he had been startled had served also to arrest the attention of his once familiar friend and ere he reached the treasury a hurried step resounded on the pavement behind him he found himself followed a heavy hand was laid upon his shoulder and a hollow voice at length faltered in broken accents armitage my dear armitage edgar had apparently quitted his cabriolet in order to verify his doubts of arthur's identity and force himself into the presence of the brother of sophia arthur's first instinctive impulse was to shrink from the touch of one who he could no longer regard otherwise than as an enemy but edgar would not be avoided would not be shaken off and seizing his arm clung to it with a fervour of emotion that proved irresistible what do you want with me demanded arthur so soon as he could command the power of utterance 
i had hoped mr rainsford you would at least spare me the painful necessity of declining all renewal of our acquaintance acquaintance mr rainsford ejaculated his apparently heartbroken companion arthur have i not suffered do i not suffer enough without having to endure these unmerited terms of coldness and contempt in what light can you regard me that entitles you to throw from you the friendship of one who talk to me no more of friendship interrupted arthur greatly excited regarding you as the murderer of my beloved sister my poor poor sophia i reject all further communication with you of a confidential nature we must meet in the world but let it be with the reserve becoming our relative position i do not seek a quarrel with you rainsford for her sake i should be sorry that our names were brought hostilely together in the idle discussions of society but things cannot be between us as they have been the murderer of your sister of sophia ejaculated the astonished rainford as soon as he could recover breath to interrupt him what can you mean are you in your right senses or what abominable misrepresentations have been made to you to excite your feelings thus unjustifiably against one who would lay down his life to do you service lay down his life to do me service reiterated arthur with bitterness to do me a service me no it was not to me your services should have been devoted it was to one as much superior to me and to yourself as the heavens are high above the earth it was to one of whom god knows you have proved yourself undeserving she thought so and i was bound to submit myself to her decree exclaimed rainsford in a tone of deep despondency yet why her indifference towards me should entitle you to brand me with the name of assassin answer me truly and in one word cried arthur trembling with emotion are you not married i am arthur armitage uttering a contemptuous ejaculation forcibly withdrew his arm i am married persisted rainsford closely following him but who drove me to the alternative who destroyed my prospects in life who doomed me to a joyless home to a miserable existence your sister arthur your sister whom i so loved and honoured your sister for whom i had so cheerfully toiled through the heavy labours of my profession your sister for whose sake i so rapturously hailed the first dawning of my prosperity for her i would have braved all the privations all the humiliations of poverty but the fortune came and i blessed its coming for i trusted it would secure to my future life the companionship of her i loved and to sophia those accustomed luxuries and honours to which she was so well entitled he paused overcome by his emotions but she determined otherwise he resumed after a momentary pause and god forgive her for the miseries her decision brought on me i have forgiven her arthur i have forgiven her i have wept for her prayed for her mourned for her even as i would have done had she deigned to become my wife and the sobs of the unhappy man were indeed audible there is something most mysterious most unaccountable in all this cried arthur seizing rainsford's arm impressed in his favour by the evident sincerity of his sorrow and apprehensive of attracting the notice of passengers in a causeway so thronged as the one they were pursuing he pushed on hastily by his side 
till they reached the opening from pall mall into carlton gardens at that hour and season silent and solitary you spoke just now my dear rainsford said arthur making an effort to renew the conversation as if my poor sister had refused the offer of your hand yet sophia's last words alluded to your desertion and were expressive of her forgiveness her forgiveness <laughs> what offence had she to forgive faltered rainsford i who ever thought of her and felt for her and demeaned myself towards her as towards an angel but your marriage have i not already protested that my marriage was the work of her hands nothing but miss armytage's positive refusal of my addresses could have necessitated such a measure do you mean me to understand that you at any time actually tendered your hand to my sister within a few days of my uncle's death no sooner was his will opened and duly authenticated than i profited by my accession of fortune to fulfil what had been for years the darling project of my heart you proposed in person persisted arthur recurring to all that he had gathered from the inadvertence of lady laura greta no by letter i wrote a full explanation of my change of situation to sophia to mrs armytage to my mother ejaculated arthur in an altered tone and what could tempt you acquainted as you are with our family to entrust your happiness to her keeping it was because i knew her that i judged it necessary to address myself to her in the first instance i enclosed a letter to your sister but gave carte blanche to mrs armytage for the disposal of my newly acquired fortune and asked her in return the hand of her daughter and she answered interrupted arthur that sophia had left to her decision the disposal of her hand that they had other views and must beg to decline the honour of my alliance my mother wrote you that to a word the terms of her letter chilled me to the very soul i have kept it as you may suppose and will keep it till the last hour of my existence and to-morrow arthur you shall see it but i felt then and i feel still that sophia ought to have softened the abruptness of such a letter by a few words of explanation as i live and breathe cried arthur with irrepressible vehemence i do believe my sister never heard of your addresses never beheld that letter never even supposed the possibility of such a reply edgar how how is it possible that you contented yourself with any answer save from the hand or lips of sophia well, my first impulse i own was to hasten down to yorkshire and insist upon an interview but i had already heard from lord downham a vague rumour that your sister was engaged to lord greta and at that unlucky moment chance threw in my way our old christchurch detestation your cousin reginald maudsley who had been spending some time at holywell whose hand my poor sister had just declined on your account who assured me that a match had been made up by mrs armytage between her daughter and lord rotherham's son and that his fair cousin curse upon his impudence appeared enchanted with her prospect of a coronet and you believed him i believed at least that from whatever cause she had decided against myself arthur if i could but express to you the misery of my mind at that conviction i have since had her death to mourn i mourn it still but the pang arising from the first blow 
the first conviction of her ingratitude the first knowledge that i had lived and loved in vain was far heavier to bear as god hears and judges me ejaculated arthur with solemn emphasis having been wrapped for some moments in profound meditation i will never forgive my mother sophia dying at one-and-twenty heart-broken by her treachery i will never forgive my mother but what could be the object of mrs armytage interrupted rainsford she knew that my uncle had bequeathed me a princely fortune my family if not ennobled is highly honourable and your mother was never a worshipper of rank in former times much to the contrary but she was at that period greatly incensed by my marriage took various indirect modes to threaten that she would transfer her inheritance to my sister and would i think have been gratified to magnify dear sophia's importance by aristocratic aggrandisement yes at that moment i have no doubt she did rejoice in the prospect of seeing her daughter become countess of rotherham but what a price to pay for the momentary visions of her perversity and ambition unhappy woman can she be sufficiently unhappy can she be sufficiently punished cried rainsford if as you suppose my sophia was as much a victim as myself do you indeed believe my dear armitage that the attachment i had been fond to attribute to your sister remained unabated do you believe she still loved me your name was the last that issued from her dying lips oh god cried rainsford covering his face with his hands and groaning aloud why was i not there why was i not beside her to receive her parting breath you were married replied arthur with some degree of bitterness you had no business in such a scene your wife my wife reiterated rainsford yes i was indeed married and by whose agency by whose baleful influence by the despotism of mrs armytage nay replied arthur my mother has enough to answer for charge her not with actions in which she can have no concern listen to me cried rainsford if you have time and patience and admit that i have a right to make her accountable for more injuries than it was perhaps her purpose to inflict i need not describe to you the origin and growth of my attachment to your sister but i may observe that if mrs armytage had conceived any deeply rooted disgust towards me any reasonable determination that she would not under any change of circumstances accord me the hand of her daughter she was unjustifiable in admitting year after year at holywell on terms of such unreserved intimacy the bosom friend of her son when from the mere schoolboy he had grown into the oxonian the man of the world the undisguisedly devoted admirer of miss armytage still however she welcomed me she treated me with regard and confidence still consigned to my elder guardianship the care of her wild and reckless son i admit it interrupted arthur but even then her intentions in favour of reginald maudsley were no secret at holywell and my mother was so accustomed to regard her will as indisputable that i fancy she considered it impossible for either you or poor sophie to cherish other projects nevertheless i used to seize every occasion of announcing in her presence that my professional exertions had no other object than to enable me to pretend to the hand of one from whom i was separated by disparity of fortune 
and your sister so perfectly comprehended my meaning and intentions that i scarcely believe mrs armytage can have mistaken them i admit that she did not encourage but she laid no irrevocable interdiction upon my pretensions i believed myself as sure of receiving justice at her hands as indulgence at those of sophia judge therefore of my joy my dear arthur when at the close of last winter i was suddenly summoned to attend my uncle on his deathbed and found him disposed to make me ample amends for the neglect with which through life he had treated the only remaining representative of his family if i remember rightly you were scarcely even acquainted with the old fellow i had never but once been admitted to his presence he was a miser i fancy or a misanthrope rather a humorist for he never showed himself deficient in generosity towards strangers me alone he hated as his natural heir hated for my miserable poverty or rather for his own want of spirit to raise me to a more becoming position in the world from the moment of his return from india it was his darling project to marry and disappoint any expectations i might have formed by the birth of children of his own to inherit his vast fortune but the strangeness of his disposition interfered with his matrimonial speculations he could never bring his courage to the point of a proposal never make up his mind to entitle another to a share of his property year after year he renewed his plans in some fresh quarter but always without effect and he would return to his magnificent but solitary seat near southampton from cheltenham or brighton or london to curse at once the procrastinating temper which kept him still a bachelor and the nephew who might eventually profit by the defect you were fortunate that he never thought of adopting a stranger as his heir no there i was safe the old man had in his own way as much family pride as mrs armytage and his chief incentive to marriage was the desire of maintaining the name of rainsford with becoming dignity in the midst of all these humours however he was attacked by a dangerous illness and hopeless of perpetuating his line by other means became for the first time desirous of an interview with his nephew judge of my surprise when i found myself summoned to southampton and when you arrived he was on his deathbed or he would never have made up his mind to form any dispositions in my favour but no sooner did he ascertain that he had only a few days to live than a new whim entered his mind of making me his heir and marrying me without delay i had not been half an hour in his house before my uncle abruptly inquired into the state of my affections had i any attachment had i any engagement i admitted myself to be attached but not engaged then you are an ass was his reply how can you rely on any living woman not to make use of her liberty at your expense i warrant you this miss armytage he had obliged me to acquaint him with her name and connections would run off with the first handsome fellow who offered her his hand and a settlement to take my sophia's defence against such arguments i judged unnecessary but simply assured him that i had as much confidence in her regard as if we were formally betrothed you are either a desperate fool nephew or a very wise man cried the old man had i been of a temperament equally sanguine you had not been here to-day or would have found a cajoling wife of my own whining by my bedside and a pack of brats bearing my name full of impatience to see the last of old rainsford 
fortunately for you your natures differed widely the vehemence meanwhile with which my uncle discussed his disappointments seemed injurious to him for from the moment of my arrival he grew rapidly worse i was desirous to send for further advice for a physician for a clergyman he would hear of nothing but a lawyer to make his will was now his only object and i was forced to procure him professional attendance for the purpose get out of the room sir i hate to see you stand there gaping open-mouthed for what i may leave behind me was his conciliatory apostrophe to myself when the men of business made their appearance but stay before you go answer me one thing you say this miss of yours is ready to marry you at a moment's notice i said sir that want of fortune was the sole obstacle to our union was my reply you are ready at least to marry her ready and eager you will not scruple then to swear to me here on my deathbed by your father's name and on your soul's salvation that you will not play the fool as i have done that you will not go through the ceremony of mourning when i am dead and buried for an old fellow for whom you have never cared a straw but marry at once and out of hand eh nephew speak out sir without picking and choosing your terms and don't dawdle away your prospects of a fortune as i have done my chance of a wife of course you complied any man under your circumstances would have complied cried armitage without hesitation i took a solemn engagement that my wedding would be solemnized within three months of his decease and had he specified three weeks at such a moment and excited as i was i should scarcely have demurred my promptitude seemed to gratify him when i returned to his chamber after he had completed the dictation and signature of his will the poor old man grew pacified and in better humour with himself and the world it was even thought that he might rally but he died that night and on inspecting the instrument he had so singularly executed i found a fortune of ten thousand a year secured to me on penalty of forfeiture if my marriage were not solemnized within three calendar months of his decease in which case the whole was to devolve upon a distant cousin whose injurious treatment of my mother during her widowhood caused me to hold him in deep abhorrence on condition of his assuming the name of rainsford and did you specify those conditions in your letter to my mother no i fancied she might feel offended that her liberty had been taken with her daughter in bringing her so familiarly under discussion although the name of armitage was not specified in any clause of this strange bequest and merely requested permission to address sophia nothing doubting i must admit that her answer would be favourable to my suit i held myself in readiness to start for yorkshire immediately on receiving her letter and trusted to my own eloquence and sophia's affection to accelerate the solemnization of the happy event judge therefore of the excess of my consternation on perusing her cold her arrogant reply still i can hardly understand your giving up a point so important without addressing yourself directly to my sister mrs armytage's answer clearly implied that she wrote with sophia's sanction and then i was deeply offended deeply piqued i had expected so different a reception and when maudsley assured me that miss armytage was engaged to lord greta there no doubt lay your real provocation you were on the continent 
i had no one to whom to apply for more authentic intelligence and when at length i learned from lady emily romer whose house as a relative of the spaldings i was in the habit of frequenting with the view of gaining news of yorkshire of holywell that lord rotherham had made no secret of his delight in the intended match i grew furious mad and proposed to miss romer by way of retaliation not however without frankly acquainting her with the terms of my uncle's will that i was an unhappy a disappointed man that she must take me with all the irritations of temper all the inequalities of humour to which my position might give rise she accepted me and i have no right to communicate further of my history than that while hurrying through italy to escape from lady emily's interference in my domestic concerns and my own vexatious reminiscences i accidentally heard of the illness of sophia a vain a mad perhaps a wicked desire to see her again to implore her at least to compassionate the wretchedness she had inflicted took possession of my mind i insisted on returning home pretended business of importance left my wife with her family at paris and arrived in england only to read in the newspapers an announcement that i was too late that my sophia was already in her grave answer me arthur can i ever forgive mrs armitage End of volume three chapter thirteen